to the University of Calgary's DCNS podcast series, Bringing the Clinical Neurosciences to Primary Care. This is your host, Tyson Brust, a senior neurology resident at the University of Calgary. Our first series of podcasts will be on headache, which is a particularly common presentation to primary care physicians. In our first podcast, we will outline a general approach to the headache patient, including clues to differentiate primary and secondary headaches, as well as identifying potential red flags. Future podcasts will focus on the primary headache disorders with a special emphasis on migraine headache due to its high prevalence in the Canadian population. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Werner Becker, a professor of neurology here at the University of Calgary and a fellow of the American Headache Society. Dr. Becker was the founding director of the Calgary Headache Assessment and Management Program. Dr. Becker is also the senior author of the Canadian Headache Society guidelines for acute migraine treatment and for prophylactic migraine treatment. See www.headachenetwork.ca and check the publications tab for more information. So uh, thank you for being here, Dr. Becker, and participating in this podcast. And let me begin by presenting a case to you, and then uh, I'll ask for your comments uh, at the end. So a previously healthy 27-year-old man presents to your office on an urgent basis two hours after developing a new onset headache. He had been snowboarding the previous day and fell on his back while attempting a jump. Immediately after the fall, he had mid-back pain, but he had no headache or neurological deficits at that time. While at work the next day, he experienced the sudden onset of the worst headache of his life, reaching maximum 10 out of 10 intensity within a minute. At the time you are seeing him two hours later, the headache remains unchanged. He tells you that the only relief he gets is when he lies flat on his back and the headache returns with full intensity as soon as he sits up or stands up. So, uh, so Dr. Becker, how would you uh, approach this patient? The approach to a headache patient is similar to the approach to most patients in medicine and is based on the history and physical. The first decision to be made in the patient uh, presenting with headache is whether the patient uh, has a primary or secondary headache. All headache syndromes have causes, so the distinction is somewhat arbitrary. Uh, the primary headache syndromes include migraine, uh, tension-type headache, cluster headache, and some other uh, less common headache syndromes. The secondary headache uh, syndromes include many uh, headaches which range from uh, medication overuse headache to post-traumatic headache to brain tumors uh, to disorders of CSF pressure, either high or low CSF pressure. The approach once again involves the history and physical. The history is important in both excluding secondary headaches and in diagnosing the type of primary headache syndrome which the patient may be presenting with. Most patients presenting with headache to an office practice will have a primary headache syndrome, usually a migraine, and the history is critical in differentiating uh, the various primary headache syndromes. The history has a number of components uh, which uh, the physician should uh, be cognizant of. Uh, first of all, headache onset is important, and 
That was apparent in the case we've just discussed, uh, where the headache onset was a, a thunderclap onset. Uh, this always uh, suggests a secondary headache. Uh, attack duration, for example, can also be important, uh, and by definition, migraine headaches in adults will last more than four hours untreated. This is in contrast to cluster headaches, where the headache attacks uh, almost always last less than three hours and often are much shorter. Uh, pain location can be helpful. For example, unilateral headaches uh, suggest migraine, although migraine headaches may be bilateral as well. Associated symptoms are also important. Uh, and nausea, for example, generally suggests uh, a migraine headache among the primary headache syndromes. The relationship of the headache to precipitating factors is also important. And uh, for example, in the patient with a lot of jaw symptoms and uh, where uh, chewing brings on the headaches, this might suggest a temporomandibular disorder. The patient we've just discussed also had a, uh, illust illustrates the importance of precipitating factors in that uh, his headache was uh, exacerbated or brought on by the upright posture. Uh, finally, headache severity is a factor in, in diagnosis, and uh, migraine headaches generally are more severe than tension-type headaches. So if the headache disorder is putting the patient in bed uh, and disabling them significantly or interfering with activities, this, for example, generally suggests a migraine as opposed to a tension-type headache. The second important uh, clinical component in headache diagnosis is the physical examination. Primary care physicians have limited time uh, with the patient, and therefore it's important that the uh, physical examination uh, be efficient. In our view, patients presenting to a, headache, to a healthcare provider for the first time with headache, or with a headache that differs from their usual headache, should have an examination that includes a screening neurological examination, a neck examination, and a blood pressure measurement. Then, if indicated, uh, they should have a focused neurological examination, and if indicated, an examination of the temporomandibular joint. The question then arises, what is an adequate screening neurological examination? Uh, this can be quite simple and, and uh, doesn't need to take a lot of time. Uh, there should be some assessment of mental status, but uh, taking the patient's history is usually sufficient to determine if there's a problem with uh, cognition. The cranial nerve examination should include fundoscopy, or it will be impossible to diagnose, uh, for example, benign intracranial hypertension. The pupil should be examined for symmetry and reaction to light. Eye movements should be examined, and a clinical visual field examination should be done. There should also be evaluation of facial movements for asymmetry and weakness. Uh, going on to the uh, rest of the examination, uh, all four limbs should be examined for unilateral weakness, a reflex asymmetry, and the upper limbs should be evaluated for coordination with the finger-nose test. Finally, uh, the patient should be asked to walk, and this assessment of gait should include uh, heel-toe walking or tandem gait. I mentioned that the neck should be examined, and this can uh, include for screening a fairly simple assessment of neck posture, range of motion, and palpation for muscle tender points. Uh, then we come to the part of the examination which is uh, optional or done only if indicated. And that is, for example, if uh, the screening examination uh, suggests a cranial nerve problem like uh, dysarthria, this might lead to a more detailed assessment of the lower cranial nerves. Or if there is a reflex asymmetry, 
then we would like to, when we would like one would like to do planner responses to assess uh, that further. And finally, if the patient had uh, a lot of jaw complaints, then one would go on to examine the temporomandibular joint. But in short, or and in summary, uh, the basic uh, paradigm would be uh, blood pressure measurement, a screening neurological examination, and a brief examination of the neck. All right, thank you. Let's uh, go back to our case and give you some more information. So the patient had a continuous occipital headache with associated nausea and vomiting that was relieved by recumbency and aggravated by being in the upright position. His screening neurologic exam, including mental status, cranial nerves, power, tone, reflexes, gait, and coordination was unremarkable. His neck exam was also normal. He was referred to the emergency department for urgent imaging to rule out subarachnoid hemorrhage. A CT head and CT angiogram were both performed and were both normal. CSF was negative for blood. An MRI of the brain showed diffuse pachymeningeal enhancement, descent of the cerebral tonsils, near obliteration of the prepontine cistern, crowding of the posterior fossa, and flattening the optic chiasm, all consistent with CSF, CSF hypovolemia. Although most CSF leaks are spontaneous, this patient likely had a traumatic CSF leak due to a snowboarding injury. He was treated with two epidural blood patches a week apart, both of which failed. Ultimately, a dynamic myelogram showed a fast anterior CSF leak at T11, which was subsequently surgically repaired. The patient had complete resolution of his orthostatic headaches. Would you like to comment uh, any more on this case, Dr. Becker? This patient had a thunderclap headache with maximal pain intensity reached within a minute uh, by history. This presentation always mandates that a subarachnoid hemorrhage should be ruled out, but there is a longer differential, including disorders like cerebral venous thrombosis, a pituitary apoplexy, and reversible cerebral vasoconstriction syndrome. Uh, these patients, uh, therefore, uh, require referral and may require extensive investigations. Our patient had a thunderclap headache onset, but subarachnoid hemorrhage was ruled out. Clinically, he showed an additional red flag in that headaches were dramatically worsened by the upright posture and relieved by lying down. This indicates a cerebrospinal fluid leak and helps, direct, and helps direct the investigations which need to be done. You've mentioned a couple of red flags in the context of this case. I was wondering if you could go over uh, for our listeners uh, what red flags the primary care physician should be aware of in a patient presenting with headache. The first decision to be made is whether the headache is due to a serious underlying cause. There are a number of red flags that have been defined for patients presenting with headache, and these include emergent red flags, like a thunderclap headache, uh, which always raises the possibility of a subarachnoid hemorrhage, uh, the presence of fever and meningismus, which suggests meningitis, uh, the presence of papilledema with focal signs or a reduced level of consciousness, which indicates a medical emergency related to increased intracranial pressure or a mass lesion. There are other red flags that are less urgent, uh, but still uh, urgent to some degree, and these include a new 
a prominent headache in an elderly person, which might suggest temporal arteritis. Uh, papilledema with uh, no focal signs and no reduced level of consciousness, which, was, which would suggest idiopathic intracranial hypertension. Uh, the presence of a systemic illness uh, relevant to headache, uh, for example, uh, a systemic infection or a, a patient with immunosuppression, which might predispose to serious intracranial pathology like an infection. And finally, a new headache in an elderly person with recent cognitive decline, which might suggest a chronic subdural. There are, in, there are, in addition, less urgent red flags, like unexplained focal signs in an, in an otherwise well patient, which might indicate an intracranial lesion like a brain tumor, and a typical headache syndrome, which, is, which does not fit well into the defined primary headache uh, disorders, and patients with unusual headache precipitants, like headache worsening significantly on standing, which might suggest a cerebrospinal fluid leak. In addition, uh, headaches uh, beginning after age 50, uh, patients with uh, symptoms or signs suggestive of a neck disorder, or patients with uh, abnormalities of the temporomandibular apparatus, uh, also require special consideration with regard to the etiology of the headache. Thank you for that discussion of red flags, Dr. Becker. Next, could you please tell us the indications for ordering neuroimaging in headache patients. Is there ever a role for ordering an MRI just to reassure patients and their physicians that there isn't a more serious underlying etiology for their headache? The history and physical examination uh, are usually sufficient to rule out a secondary headache in the patient presenting with headache to an office practice. If the patient meets the diagnostic criteria for one of the primary headache syndromes, and we will discuss these in more detail in future podcasts, that is also reassuring and uh, emphasizes that it is important to know the diagnostic criteria for the primary headache syndromes. As the diagnostic yield of neuroimaging in patients with typical recurrent migraine attacks is very low, neuroimaging is not indicated in patients with uh, recurrent headaches with the clinical features of migraine a normal neurological examination and no red flags, uh, except under very unusual circumstances. Uh, specifically, uh, sinus x-rays are not indicated in these patients in general, and uh, nor are cervical spine x-rays uh, when the patient uh, meets diagnostic criteria for migraine. In terms of patients who should be imaged or referred for further assessment, these would include patients uh, with uh, atypical headaches that don't fit the primary headache categories, or they've had a significant change in headache pattern. It would include patients with unexplained focal signs, unusual headache precipitants, uh, perhaps with unusual uh, migraine aura symptoms, uh, uh, emphasizing that the patient with atypical migraine aura does not need imaging. And would also include uh, patients with uh, some of the uncommon headache syndromes, like cluster headache, which uh, do have a significant uh, yield on neuroimaging, even though their uh, clinical evaluation uh, may be normal. In addition, uh, patients who develop uh, headaches that resemble primary headache syndromes later in life, for example, after age 50, uh, should be examined carefully whether or not they require neuro neuroimaging. Finally, there's always the question of uh, patient reassurance. Uh, patients uh, 
often fear they have a brain tumor or some other serious cause for their headaches, even though their headaches may be quite typical migraine headaches. In general, imaging is not recommended for patient reassurance, uh, partly because what little literature there is on this uh, does not suggest that it is really very effective. Uh, these patients require uh, a more detailed discussion with the healthcare provider as to the nature of their headaches and uh, what the uh, benefits of neuroimaging might be, which is often uh, very minimal in such patients. Uh, furthermore, uh, neuroimaging in patients uh, with uh, primary headache syndromes can often lead to incidental findings, uh, for example, an uh, insignificant and benign uh, arachnoid cyst, which can cause unnecessary patient anxiety and then lead to further testing, which uh, again is not generally helpful. Thank you for that uh, summary, Dr. Becker. To conclude our podcast, I just uh, would like to know if you have any take-home messages that you'd like uh, to impart upon the listeners. I would just say in conclusion that uh, patients with headaches uh, do require a careful clinical assessment because headache disorders do have a very broad differential diagnosis, including both uh, uh, serious underlying disorders and the secondary headaches. Uh, but also there's a broad differential in terms of the many different types of primary headaches. This assessment should be based upon the history and physical, and this uh, may take some time uh, for the patient with a uh, complex headache disorder, and the physician simply has to accommodate this. Uh, it's better to take uh, more time for the clinical assessment rather than uh, overutilize uh, neuroimaging and other diagnostic investigations. Finally, a powerful tool in headache assessment is patient follow-up, and this can often help clarify headache syndromes over time that aren't uh, totally clear on initial presentation, and this follow-up uh, should include, in many cases, a headache diary, which the patient can bring back to the doctor, as this will often clarify uh, different points in the headache disorder which perhaps weren't apparent on the initial uh, history and physical. Well, thanks very much, Dr. Becker, for uh, being interviewed today. Uh, next time, we're going to discuss uh, acute uh, migraine diagnosis and management, and Dr. Becker has kindly agreed to be back for that uh, podcast. And uh, this concludes the podcast on the approach to the headache patient. Thank you for listening.